0: Welcome to the Useless Genius Podcast. My name is Jack, and today we're going to discuss vending machines for the next couple minutes, even though you probably have bigger fish to fry this week. So throw in a dollar, press play, and watch this podcast episode get stuck behind a Spotify ad ruining your day. So uh, I guess we should start off with kind of the early history of vending machines. Uh, we're going to kind of keep this podcast a little bit simple because there is a lot to unpack with vending machines. Um, but basically the earliest, uh, reference or the earliest known vending machine that was ever made was made by the hero, the hero of Alexandria, almost butchered that, um, an engineer, uh, and he made a machine to dispense holy water. And basically what you would do is you would drop in, uh, some coins into the top of this holy water machine. And then after a certain point, they would outweigh a weight on the other side of a scale, and it would uh, the uh, movement of this weight or the movement of the scale would uh, pull open a valve until the coins fell out into the uh, actual water itself. Uh, so it was definitely it was uh, probably the first automatic merchandising or automatic uh, you know vending machine. Uh, that was ever made, but since then, vending machines have gotten a lot more advanced, um, so, uh, from there, things kind of moved, um, into the, you know, into, I guess you could say the, you know, the 1600s, uh, 1700s, 1800s, um, and then, you know, the, uh, 20th century, and now today, um, so, you know, kind of in the, the 16, 17 and 1800s, uh, machines that started to sell postal uh, postage stamps or stationery started to pop up and become more common. Um, and these were mostly mechanical machines that only took coins. Um, although there, I don't remember there being tons of bills around then, but I may be completely wrong and not know what I'm talking about. So take that with a grain of salt but all of them generally took coins uh bill acceptors were not introduced until a while later really um 1800s kind of a similar thing more candy companies started to get in on uh vending machines and automatic merchant uh, automatic uh vending and merchandising um and you know definitely uh a lot of companies in America started to, uh, experiment with the idea and, you know, started building machines of their own, um, and lots of them as new, uh, concepts to actually sell, uh, the products they make. So, you know, you might have a company like Wrigley's who make the, who started making their own vending machines just to sell Wrigley's gum, um, or something like that. Uh, and so that started to happen, Actually, I don't know if that was the 1800s. That was more the, uh the Roaring Twenties, I believe. But that those were kind of the early days of vending machines. Um, but the really, early days were, you know, of course, ancient times when it was actually invented. And then it started to take off in the centuries after that. Uh, and then in the early uh, 20th century, so, you know, Roaring Twenties and such, uh, these machines, of course, were picked up by American corporations that were growing and uh, decided to start selling their own products in them, and uh, they kind of went from there. And some of the machines that we act- that are actually, you know, sold today, a lot of them uh, are made by manufacturers that, you know, some of them were f- uh, formed in the roaring 20s or they were formed during the uh, Great Depression. Well, most of them weren't formed during the Great Depression, but most of those companies were formed during the Roaring 20s or they were formed during the 30s uh, and 40s, especially during the war. Um, so some companies that were formed during that time, um, some examples would be uh, uh, Whittern, which is kind of a... They, they uh, sell a lot of vending machines. Uh, they were formed I believe in the 30s um, also um, I want to say that Dixie narco was formed a little bit later um, so there' some of these were actually formed a little bit later but uh, Dixie narco for example uh, they make a lot of soda machines and you you probably have seen some of their soda machines before because they're built like tanks so they just kind of last forever and they don't really make them anymore they just they're all over um so they make uh they're now they're part of crane um but they were probably started if i remember correct probably about the 40s 50s or 60s um and they're part of uh, crane uh now and so is uh national vendors which is now part of crane so is automatic products now part of crane um so crane bought up a lot of stuff um and automatic products was I think probably I'd say 50s to 70s was when that was really started and started to take hold. Uh and t- there's also um some odd outliers. So there's uh Antares slash edina like uh, Minnesota. Um they made snack machines. They're these kind of weird snack machines that only take coins. And they have these little plastic turn, uh, turn mechanisms. And we actually, probably the first, one of the first machines I ever bought was an Antares. And it was a countertop machine, but it it is not, they're, I, I can see why they failed. Uh, they're really just annoying to work with. They're annoying to set prices on. The customer has to dig up a bunch of coins or you have to put a dollar bill changer on the side of the machine for them to turn dollar bills into quarters it's just not really convenient. Um, so those they're still sold and you can still get them. Um, and you can still use them. They still work, but they're just not uh, really common anymore because it's just not, it's just a thing of convenience. Um, especially customer convenience. Um, and then just talking about candy machines real quick. I mean, there's a couple old candy machine manufacturers. I think Ford, but they went out of business. Um, like Ford Gumball uh, machine manufacturers. Um, I believe Northwestern has been around for a while. Um, kind of interesting one that I believe came out in the eighties or nineties um, is the Venstar three thousand. They also sell. They also used to sell the six thousand but Venstar. Um, so if you've ever seen these little gray plastic, like, uh, three compartment candy machines lying around, chances are it'll be a Venstar. If you look on it, it'll say Venstar 3000, maybe in a rare case. Sometimes they say Venstar 6000. Um, those were made in mass in probably the I remember correct it was like the 80s or 90s or something um and there was this company that decided oh you know we'll make it so that everyone can have their own vending machine route it'll be a huge th- it'll be a huge uh thing and um we can guarantee that you can get a location and so basically what they did is they went to uh business owners well actually they just let people put things in businesses and uh or put uh, candy machines and businesses and really did not ask, uh, the business owners. Um, the, just saying basically to the people who bought candy machines and expected to, to actually have a legitimate location. Oh yeah, you'll have a location, but you know, as soon as the people who got the machines went over and asked the owner of that location, okay, so we're already set. The owners would say, no we didn't order a candy machine at all you're not supposed to put that here and um that en- that eventually ended up in a massive like false advertising lawsuit which uh led to quite a few executives at venstar being put in prison i believe i want to say six of them were imprisoned so it was kind of a big scandal but those machines are still around today and you can still find them all over the place they're one of the most common gumball or candy machines because they were made in such massive numbers you can still find untouched pallets of them in the wild i mean you can find completely untouched fully wrapped uh, pallets with these brand new machines that aren't that are new in box on them because there's just there was no place to use them all up um so that's kind of an interesting little outlier but, uh, yeah, it's kind of, that's a little interesting deal, but, uh, back to the main thing, which is, that you're probably expecting, which is kind of uh, full size vending machines. So, um, back to, uh, probably the vending, uh, the vending machine manufacturer that I'm at the moment most familiar with. Uh, That would be uh, Wittern Group, W-I-T-T-E-R-N. And they've bought, they've, um, they're comprised of a bunch of companies which have all kind of merged into them. Uh, So they consist of USI, FSI, well, FSI, which turned into USI. And then they're composed of Selective End. uh, I want to say there's, there's some other ones. There's a lot of uh, companies that they bought up. Uh, so there's Selective End as well. And then um, they also have, of course, Wittern. Um, let me just Google this because there's like about 20. Well, I don't know 20, but there's probably, uh, I don't know, five or ten different companies that they they. Run that make vending machines. They're one of the two giant vending machine manufacturers in the U.S. Which there's only really a couple big ones in the U.S. It's kind of interesting. There's um, and then there's another one, uh, seaga C S E A G A, is another big uh, vending machine manufacturer in the U.S. Or somewhat big, um, although we haven't really had much experience with their machines, and their machines aren't particularly praised for their quality a lot of them have been made in china and don't last too long um and have a lot of issues with breaking down and bad parts so um but they do exist and they're out there if you see like these weird uh, gray plastic vending machines they're just gray plastic and you might see blue decals on them um Oftentimes they'll be stacked, they'll, there'll be a snack machine on the top, soda machine on the bottom, and it'll be like a gray plastic uh, exterior, um, especially if you go up and you're looking, it says Seaga, it's probably a Seaga, um, although those are less common because I've heard that they are, mainly they just break down a lot. So getting back to Wittern, so we've got a list pulled up of the companies that they have. Um so probably some of the first that they started off with uh were Fawn FAWN Engineering Corp and uh Fawn Manufacturing. So those were probably the first two pretty much to make um vending machines uh as uh you know those were probably uh Witterns pretty much Wittern's uh first two companies that engineered and manufactured vending machines. Um And then coming after that, they, uh, you know, now they own those. Um, they own Vennet, which basically, uh, deals parts for the, or sells parts for the vending machines, uh, as well as vending machines too, if I remember correct, but they sell mainly parts. Um, they, uh, own, uh, I believe Federal Machine, uh, okay, so they own Federal Machine, Selective N, Intelligent Dispensing Solutions, uh, USI, also known as You Select It, uh, and that used to be FSI. We actually have a machine made by FSI, which is now USI. Um, so we're quite familiar with USI, FSI, but uh, Wittern standardized all that stuff, so it's it's just a Wittern in general. It's not really. Uh, Different from machine to machine as long as it's made by winter uh, then they own e-vending and vending.com uh, which are just some more parts suppliers pretty much bu- pretty much um, and of course they run winter so that's one of the big ones then of course you got Siega. and then you've got um, crane which owns uh, dixie narco which made soda machines national automatic products also known as ap um and both of those made primarily snack machines uh and then of course CAGO was off on their own and they're not so great or they're not known for their quality um and then what else i believe there was one other that i was going to discuss um oh yes royal vendors so uh, Royal also manufactures vending machines and you'll sometimes see a lot of their soda machines in the wild too these days. If you ever look at one of these machines you'll notice they're like they're soda machines with kind of an oval picture of maybe a bottle or a can whatever they're selling and then you'll notice a, a round white button with a light in it right below that picture. That's a Royal vending machine. Um, they also make ones that uh, they also make the ones with the the, uh, the little robot arm basically inside that when you select it, it moves the arm up to the thing you selected, pushes the product off into the arm, and then moves it over to the door, moves it over to a little clear door where you can grab your product, which looks kind of cool. Uh, so I believe, uh, if I remember correct, Royal makes those, um, and uh, Royal makes uh, those soda machines and those snack machines, and then that's pretty much, you know, most of the, the U.S. uh, vending industry, I mean, there's more to unpack, and I'm not, you know, I'm leaving out some detail, but there's really, if I, if I went into every gory detail of the industry, there would be so much to unpack, Um, and then, uh, I mean, I'm gonna just do, like, a quick little couple minutes on uh, vending in Japan, uh, not even might not even be a couple minutes but um just a little interesting side note about uh, how it's a little bit different over there so types of vending machines over there uh, they have all sorts of types i mean i'm sure you've seen clickbaity videos like you know goodness knows what there's lots of clickbait out there about vending machines in japan but they legitimately do have interesting vending machines they have machines that actually make and sell hot food. They have machines, you know, that just sell drinks and snacks like you would expect. They have machines that sell pretty much anything you could imagine. And uh, the machines uh, over there are, they're a little bit more interesting. They kind of seem to, they seem to pop a little bit more, which makes sense considering that Japan has the highest density of vending machines uh, per capita. So if you want to get sales, you need to make it really stand out from the other 20 vending machines that are literally in a line next to it um, if you want to get a sale. So uh, often there's uh, very interesting graphics and stylistic choices. I mean, sometimes uh, whole basically like sets are constructed around vending machines. Like one uh, vending machine, you know, Uh, if it's in a theme park for example where it needs to be uh stylized um and it's kind of i don't know maybe say that they had a tiki room in japan they might they might not i don't know um what they might do is instead of just having a normal vending machine sitting there they would take that vending machine and then they would stylize it with like tiki room themed stuff like bamboo or whatever and they'd like build a shack around it that's part of the machine um or they would um you know they would trick it out with very interesting graphics uh to get people's attention um and then of course there's density yes uh, japan is the highest density of vending machines per capita of course the title of the most uh most vending machines that of any you know overall of any country we don't have the most per capita but the most overall of any country is of course none other are held by none other than america themselves um because we have the most uh boring metal boxes that are not decorated at all but you know we have the most of them we have about 10 million in the u.s they have about six million in Japan, so Japan kind of wins, considering that they're a tiny island, and they've managed to fit six million of these metal boxes uh, on pretty much every street corner everywhere. Um, and then, kind of, some of the the uh, manufacturers over there—it's very interesting. Uh, they're not companies you would exactly expect. Uh, so, some manufacturers—I mean, a lot of them are large conglomerates. Uh, large established Japanese conglomerates. Um, so you'll see companies over there. If you open up a vending machine over there and you see the nameplate, like the the information about that machine, you might see a name, you know, the company that made it, rather than like a company like over here, like Whittern or Crane or Seaga that specializes in making machines. You might see a large Japanese conglomerate. You'll see like, Kabota, Panasonic. I maybe Sony as well but you know Kubota, Panasonic uh you'll see um there's some other ones I want to say um uh, and you know you'll see uh you'll see companies that normally don't make uh vending machines that make vending machines over there uh like for example over here in the US Kubota makes mainly tractors and heavy equipment and excavators and stuff that's all they really sell over here over in japan they make mall trucks heavy equipment tractors they make all sorts of equipment all over the place they're kind of like 3m um and they also make vending machines uh over there um, you know panasonic over here used to sell like a lot of tvs and electronic equipment over there, they sell the same sort of stuff, plus vending machines, um, just for the Japanese market, which I've, I kind of found was fascinating that these companies make, um, you know, there's not like smaller specialist companies, or there's not as many smaller specialist companies that do this just primarily over there, uh, instead it's mainly large conglomerates that already make pretty much everything, uh, that comes, you know out of japan uh so it was kind of a that's kind of a little interesting uh footnote but um i think that's pretty much all for uh for uh, vending machines and you know about vending machines but um yeah i hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh see you on the next podcast